Thank you, Megan and the team. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for those in serving today in the different places for being willing to get out and those of you in attendance. Uh, it is good to see your faces. I hope all is well uh, with you and your households uh, and your homes, uh, your vehicles, uh, your cupboards, your water, your plumbing, your heat uh, has survived. And um, it has been, uh, to, stay, to say it's been cold is an understatement. Uh, that's the to say the least, but we're glad you're with us uh, this morning. And those of you online, uh, I know a lot of you can't get out um, where you live. Some of your roads are still pretty bad. Uh, and some of you have uh, been praying, gotten word for a few of you who have been sick this week, uh, just uh, completely under the weather, literally just uh, sick. And uh, we miss you. I uh, hope to see you all this next week. And uh, we're going to be praying for you uh, this week, and we're going to pray for you here in a little bit at the end of our uh, time of worship. We're going to have a moment of prayer, and I uh, want you to know you're not forgotten uh, and that uh, you're missed and you're loved. And so, again, good to see all of you. Let me invite you to open your Bibles with me to the New Testament, to Luke chapter 9, to Luke chapter 9. We are, um, if you're not, if you don't know, but we are in a, uh, the middle, right in the middle of our 14 day church wide prayer and fast. And, um, uh, just to, just to remind you that we do have devotionals available for you online on our website, nlcj.org. Uh, if you go to what's happening, there's a blog spot and you click that. You can download those to your phone uh, or your computer. Uh, you can have them on you at all times. And, um, so hopefully those of you who have been able to get those, uh, you've been able to, uh, be encouraged by those, uh, daily devotionals. And, um, and inspiring you. And I know this last week was a little more unusual week, uh, different schedules, different, maybe stuck at home, uh, you know, around your people all the time. Uh, and so, uh, everybody had to maybe retreat to their own corners, uh, for a few minutes of timeout. I know I did. I had to put myself in timeout and, um, uh, just uh, the cabin fever and, um, but, uh, did get out one day to sled a little bit. That was fun. Nobody got hurt. And, uh, that was, it was still cold, but it was enjoyable to break the monotony of being inside. And, um, uh, but, uh, but anyways, uh, just, uh, we pray for you as we go through this home stretch this next week. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be, uh, breaking, uh, our time of prayer and fasting with a, with a special day. It's heart for the house. You'll hear a little more about that in the announcements later. Um, but please, if you can, uh, try to make it next week. Uh, those of you online, hopefully you're well enough to be able to make it. It's going to be a really encouraging day, uh, a day, a day of celebration, of exhortation. Today we're going to be talking about the year, forecasting some vision about the year and uh, about this next these next several months as a church and what's what's on the table for us. And so uh, lots of good things. So, uh, well, without further ado, let's let's take a look at our text here in Matthew chapter uh, nine. We're going to be in verses 57 through 62 and uh, it reads this it says uh, the title of this sec- this paragraph is is the cost of following Jesus. And it says, as they were walking along, Jesus and his disciples, his friends said, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in. Birds have nests. The son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Jesus did, 
saying, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you. Thank you for your word, your word of life that does so much, inspires us, corrects us, encourages us, challenges us, convicts us, guides us. Today, let your word speak to our hearts. Wherever we're at, whatever's going on, speak to us. Draw us close. Open our eyes to see something fresh and new and bring our hearts closer to you in devotion. And we honor you and we give you thanks. I ask you to fill my mouth, my heart with your words, O Lord, to be of help to your people and honorable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I've got a lot of friends uh, that, that pastor different churches and uh, happen to see one. I was scrolling through a little bit yesterday on social media just to see how many different places were closed. And uh, uh, I've got a friend that lives in Millington that I went to high school with, the pastor's a church, and he actually went out on site and did a video. I'm like, aren't you clever? And, um, and, uh, and did a little update showing the people what it looked like on the, on the, uh, parking lot, et cetera. Anyway, they're having service this morning, but, um, lots of, lots of pastors around this city and, and around, around our neck of the woods are in the same predicament. Do we meet? Do we not meet? Do we gather? Do we not gather? And so, um, I was on the, I was on the fence. I was kind of, I don't know. Uh, let's wait and as long as we can yesterday before we make that decision. And um, thankfully, um, we checked with those who were serving, able to make it, uh, checked the conditions of the building and the, and the uh, outdoors, pretty good. So we're here. But this is, and being able to come together as a church body is, is, a, is, is very sacred. It's a very sacred time. Uh, it, trust me, to cancel, I would never want to put anybody's safety at risk. I would do it in a heartbeat to not meet if I felt like everybody, most people would be at risk to be able to even get out or get here. But, um, uh, but to, but to be able to come together, uh, at any capacity as the body of Christ, it's a sacred thing. Um, it's, it's such, so many, so many things happen when the body of Christ is able to join together. And in this text here, Jesus is talking about discipleship, about the, about following him. And so many of us have that desire, I will follow you wherever you go. And, and then others are called upon out to, and Jesus is drawing on hearts of people to follow me. And some people are in a tough spot. They like, I want to, but yet there's still part of me that wants to look elsewhere, that still kind of wants to put some focus on some other things. And so, uh, life, life comes at you from all directions, does it not? I mean, it comes at you from all sorts of directions. And what we have to kind of come all, all the ways, keep in check and balance is what our mission is at New Life Church. And that is to keep Jesus at the center, to keep him at the center. 
And one of our core values, we talked about one last week, being kingdom-minded. Today we're going to look at one called being discipleship-driven. Uh, that value speaks to us that we value as a church to be true followers of Jesus. Not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect. We don't claim to have it all together. But the word true it really is, is a core part of that definition and that value expression. Genuine. We value to try to be genuine followers. We know we're not people who are put together perfectly or keep it together perfectly. And we, uh, as a church, I don't think we even try to really pretend uh, that we try to be perfect. And um, and so I think that speaks to to the heart of the matter that we aim to be true. We aim to be genuine, um, and and in the direction that our lives are called to go. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was driving and coming up to an intersection. Uh, the light was red and uh, pulling. I was in the inside lane and uh, came to a, as I was coming to a stop. I noticed a car just in front of me in the middle lane had already stopped. And as I got closer, I saw a bumper sticker on the back of it of the car, and it said, "Do you follow Jesus this close?" I was not behind him. I was. In the other lane, but I'm thinking, man, yeah, I have followed some folks too close before. Uh, and sometimes uh, uh, that question, you seeing that question on the bumper sticker, I think the tone is implied. Do you really follow Jesus this close? I mean, come on, get real here. And, and I want to talk to you guys today about three thoughts about following Jesus close uh, with that question in mind. Do we follow Jesus this, that close? Um, I think for some of us, uh, we like to think that we follow Jesus closer than we actually do. Uh, for some of us, we, we, we think, uh, that we aren't worthy enough to follow Jesus that close. But all of us are called to follow Jesus, whether we feel close or far, whether we feel worthy or unworthy. The good news of the gospel is this, Jesus calls us all to follow him. And that's what I want to talk to you guys today about with the, through the eyes in the life of Peter. Um, Peter was one of the first disciples to be called by Jesus. And maybe he had that working to his advantage. Maybe he just thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was called first. I don't know what's up with the rest of you, but he's like, Jesus called me first. He saw me and my brother Andrew fishing. And he's like, those are some dudes I want on my side. So maybe Peter had that arrogance about him. Maybe he had that way about him throughout the three and a half years of journeying with Jesus and following Jesus that he's like, Psh, Matthew, he called you later, but he called me first. You know, I don't know. And so I think Peter had this mindset to a degree, um, perhaps, that uh, he thought he followed Jesus closer than he actually did. And time tells, life will tell on you, right? Things will, things will come out, uh, over time through the different experiences and trials and situations and, and hardships that you go through. Uh, and it kind of shows us that. And for Peter, Mark's gospel, we're not reading these, but Mark's gospel outlines some things about, um, about that. And, um, about Peter, showing that Peter really didn't follow Jesus as closely as he thought he was. And um, near the end of the story of, of the time where Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure and the pain and the torture and the cross and all of that that he was about to go through, 
Peter was, um, he was uh, like, you know what, Lord, if any, if everybody else denies you and doesn't follow you, I'll go with you and I'll follow you. If everybody else deserts you, I'm still your man. You called me first and I will stay with you to the end, right? He, I think he had good intentions. I think the motive of his heart was right. Um, but the traction on his shoes were, 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 uh, we're not as strong as he thought. And so he's like, if everybody else deserts you, I'm still going to follow you. And Jesus took him to the side and he's like, you know, Peter, I hear you, man. But listen, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you're going to actually deny me three times. That's probably tough to swallow. Well, that happened. They, Jesus takes a few of his disciples out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And three different times he asks them, watch and pray with me, watch and pray with me, watch and pray with me. And each occasion he came back to them and he found them asleep. So Peter not only was warned that he would deny the Lord three times, he fell asleep three times when he was asked to just pray with his Lord. And then Jesus was betrayed and Jesus was arrested, taken in, and it said... Uh, that uh, in Mark 14, it said that all of those disciples ran away. And then it showed a little, a little statement. It said that Peter followed from a distance. So you got Peter, I'll go with you everywhere. Everybody denies you. Everybody deserts you. I will never, des- I will never do that, Lord. I'm still going to hang with you. I'm still going to follow you wherever you go. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to you fall asleep three times when you're praying, when I've asked you to pray. Everybody else runs away. You follow at a distance, and then he does. He ends up denying him three times. By the time that morning ends, by the time that night ends and the morning dawns the next day, Peter had denied the Lord three different times. Jesus, in Mark 9, he said, Anyone who puts their hand to the plow but then looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of God. Peter was discovering in his life that he was not actually following Jesus as close as he thought. And then the second part is this. Some of us don't think we are worthy to follow Jesus close. Peter found himself in this same position. He had denied the Lord three times. He had fallen asleep three times when praying. He had followed from a distance All these things were happening, and after denying the Lord, it said that Peter wept bitterly. He broke down, and he wept. He was so, so sorry that this happened in his life. But then you see God's mercy. You see God's goodness. Go to work. The cross, the burial, the resurrection. In Mark's gospel, Mark writes that when Jesus was raised from the dead. An angel was there speaking to the people and spoke to Mary. And, he, and, she, and the angel told her, told her, go back and tell the disciples what's happened, but make sure you tell Peter too. I mean, it's like it was an extra statement. Go back and tell the disciples, but also make sure you tell Peter. Heaven knew that heaven was not done with Peter. Peter thought heaven was done. Peter thought, every, this is the it for me. I have no future. But heaven was not done with Peter. And heaven echoed through the, through the mouth of an angel to Mary. Go tell the disciples what is going on. 
but make sure you tell Peter too. Make sure his heart and his ears know that heaven is not done with him. In fact, Peter had gotten so down after the resurrection, Jesus spent about 40 days visiting his disciples in a few different times. Peter had gotten to the point in John's gospel, the last chapter 21, he told his friends, he goes, you know what, I'm just going back to fishing. I'm done. I'm going fishing. And they were like, well, we're going to go with you too. Well, Jesus is waiting for them to come back to the shore. And after they come back, Jesus calls Peter. He had jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore. They connect on the shore. And Jesus is like, I need to speak to you. I need to holler at you for a moment. So they pull to the side. Jesus, not only not does the angel speak to through Mary to Peter to let him know Jesus is still around and still wants you. Jesus himself goes and has a private personal time, private personal moment with Peter and lets him know. And he asks him three times this question, do you love me? And each time Peter's like, oh, I love you. I really do. I do love you. And Peter, um, Jesus then tells Peter three different ways about his purpose. He said, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. And then twice in that story, in that private moment, Jesus says, Peter, I want you to follow me. Peter was trying to turn the attention to John, the beloved. And he was like, what about him? What about him? Come on. He's your beloved. He's the one that is close to you. I'm the one who denied you. And Jesus is like, I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about you. Follow me. Follow me. Peter had thought that he was not worthy enough to follow Jesus close. Maybe you're in that place with life. Maybe there's some things that goes on in your world, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, and some things going on in your relationships and parts of your life that make you feel like, man, I don't, I am not worthy enough to be here. I should not, I, I don't think the Lord, I think he's really got it off base here with me. I don't deserve kindness. I don't deserve goodness. I don't deserve what God has for me. And you feel like, man, I don't feel like I should be this close to the Lord. So therefore, I'm going to go back to whatever it is I want to do. And you try to look away. You try to run away. You try to hide away. And Jesus three times revalidates and reinstates Peter. First as a person. Second as a follower. And then third for his purpose. God does have a purpose for you. Absolutely. God wants you to follow him. Absolutely. But he cares about you first as a human. As his creation. He fashioned you. He formed you. He loves you for who you are. He even calls you his beloved. Not only does he love you, but he likes you. He likes you. All right? He likes you. All the different things about you. I mean, come on. Let's think about ourselves for a second in a good way. Parts of us we don't like. Parts of our personality we think is weird. Parts of us where we're arrogant and prideful. Guess what? Jesus likes you. He likes you. He likes me. Some of us think we follow him closer than we 
are. And some of us don't think we should be allowed to follow Him as close as we do. And then lastly, Jesus calls all of us to follow Him whether we feel close or far, worthy or unworthy. And in Peter's eyes, I want to give you five closing thoughts about for the first time in Peter's life, he discovered what it meant to follow Jesus without looking back. Man, to live in a way to follow Christ with our hand to the plow, our hand fit to the kingdom of God, to a relationship with Jesus, and we're not worried about looking back. Peter, for the first time, discovered that. In the book of Acts, it kind of all came together. Three and a half years, Peter being the first to follow, being the first one called to follow Jesus and leaving everything to follow him, abandoning it all, just going for it, denying him, going through the ups and downs of that, falling asleep when the Lord asked him to pray. All these different things going on in Peter's life and his relationship with Christ and his fellow disciples, his friends. And it all kind of came together. It just all kind of, in one one holy moment, just all started, everything started fitting together in place for Peter. It all just started kind of making sense. Think about this. Had Peter gave in to thinking he did not deserve to follow close, think about what this story wouldn't be happening. But in Acts chapter 1, the story unfolds with Peter. He's one of the main persons here. And for the first time, he realized, I can actually follow Christ. I can actually do... God really does want me. Jesus really does love me. And he's called me to follow him. To truly discover what it means to follow without looking back. In Acts 1... They're hanging out. They're waiting. Luke writes the reminder, hey, you need to make sure you wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. To follow Jesus close, like Peter, we have to learn to wait. We have to learn to wait. I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting. I don't, ha- I don't always like waiting. There's moments where it doesn't bother me, There's some time in life where I don't, yeah, cool. I can wait all day long. Nothing but time on my hands. But then there are some other moments where anxiousness and fear and other things try to grip me. And I'm like, okay, I got to fix this. I got to get involved in this and I got to do something about it. And I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I just don't want to wait. And then I usually make a mess out of it, right? Or Or I usually, you know, make somebody mad and have to apologize later. Because I just didn't want to wait. Peter, he'd never waited a day in his life. He was used to casting the net, fishing all night, but catching all night. Peter was used to doing it. Peter was a professional angler. Professional. Peter didn't like waiting. Peter was quick to open his mouth. Peter was quick to tell people what he thought. Peter was quick to tell the Lord, hey, everybody else desert you, desert you. I'm your man. I'm with you. I'm your rider. I am with you to the end. Peter did not 
he had to learn how to wait. Following Jesus means disciples, followers, have to be okay with learning how to wait. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, Those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord will find and renew their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Waiting on Him. Peter learned to wait. Secondly, There's about 120 believers gathered together in an upper room. They were praying, waiting. And, but what they were doing while they were waiting was they were praying. Now, this is an area where Peter obviously struggled. His prayer life was a struggle. He fell asleep three times when the Lord called him to pray. I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying... It happens because the, the flesh side of us is not like, what do I want to do today? I think I'll just pray all day. Most of us don't think of that, okay? And I get it. That's part of who we are. But I have to believe in this moment, for the first time, Peter was discovering what it was like to follow Jesus close and not look back. It involved taking time to pray, taking intentional time to just pray. Jesus taught them to pray. What we call, what's called the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Verse 9, Jesus taught his disciples this pattern of prayer Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Maybe they were praying a pattern of that prayer together in that upper room. They had had some experiences with Christ in His resurrection form over a 40-day period. And this time, Peter was like, I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray. So following Jesus close means not only are we called to wait on him, but we're called to pray and learning to pray. Learning to pray. Jesus taught them that prayer. And I don't believe it's just a prayer to be prayed just verbatim, but it's a prayer to be prayed in pattern and in spirit that we come to the Lord and thank him and we acknowledge His holiness and His greatness and His power. And we come to Him with the, with, the, with the hope of our heart being, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. Your kingdom come here today and be a part of my life and what You want to see done, not what I want to see done. Yielding our life and our day and our, our uh, years to Him. And through that pattern, learning to pray. Learning to pray. To pray. It's learning like, kind of like when you first learned to ride a bike, if you learned how to ride a bike. It's a little shaky at first, 
You get you a little scared at first, but man, you get going and it's kind of, you don't forget. Once you learn how to drive it, you learn how to drive it. Kind of like learning how to drive a stick shift in a vehicle. If you ever done that, once you learn it, you just it's muscle. It's there. You just don't forget how to do it. You might not have done it in years, but you hop in a seat, hit that clutch, and grab that stick and go for it. You might be a little rusty, but you don't forget. Learning how to swim. You learn how to swim, you don't forget how to swim, especially when you're in deep water and you can't touch the bottom. You're going to swim, right? You learn how to swim. You might not be the best swimmer, but you learn to swim. Prayer. You may not be the best prayer. You may not be the most eloquent prayer. You may not write books on prayer like others, like Andrew Murray and others. You may not do that. But man, God doesn't care. He just wants to hear you talk. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your thoughts. He wants to hear you talk to Him and commune with Him and you just learn to just talk and communicate with the Father. Thirdly, talking about following Jesus close, waiting, praying. In Acts chapter 2, the story takes a little bit of a turn. It gets loud. It gets a little weird. gets a little wild. On the day of Pentecost, the festival they were celebrating... It's the day God poured out His Spirit upon His people. Things were not looking normal, okay? And people thought certain people were drunk. And they thought, man, this is crazy. I don't understand what's going on. And Peter, it said that Peter stepped forward with the other 11 disciples. I think for the first time in Peter's life, he realized he was not a solo act, but he was called to be a part of community. He stepped forward with the other 11. Friends, you and I are not called to be solo Christians. We're not called to do this Christianity, follow Jesus thing all by ourselves. We're called to be a, a part of something greater than us. We're called to, than myself. We're called to be a part of togetherness as the body of Christ in community. You, you, you cannot... It's a, it, it just not, you can, but it's not the best practice, and you will discover that it's not going to turn out that great for us, for those who choose to try to follow Jesus all by ourselves and leave out the body of Christ. And for the first time in Peter's life, I think he felt that he was not alone. Because Peter had spouted off, Peter had done some dumb things, Peter had said some things, Peter had some actions about him. And others are all around. These disciples were with him every step of the way. They knew how Peter was. They knew how his antics were. They knew what he was about. And yet, for the first time, I think Peter realized he was not in this thing alone. That he had a brotherhood. He had a community that was a part of his life. And he was a part of theirs. There's over 70 one another commands in in the New Testament. Love one another. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Exhort one another. Be kind to one another. Over 70 of those exist throughout the New Testament in the church. And Peter, I think, for the first time realized, I'm safe. I'm safe. Because I know we can't let our hair down around just anybody, right? You can't just truly feel comfortable and free just to be you around anybody. It takes a a certain circle. Peter, I think for the first time, 
was like, ah, I can just be me right here with this group. They haven't left me yet. I don't think they're going to leave me. You can find safety in community, but you find isolation when you try to do it alone. And I want to encourage you, don't do this alone. Resist the urge and the temptation to fight your battles all by yourself or to even celebrate your wins all alone. There, uh, the body of Christ, the community of faith, wants to circle one another, to walk with you through your challenges, to encourage you and to pray for you, but to also celebrate your wins, to celebrate your strengths, to celebrate those moments in life that are big. Peter realized that. And number four, I'm almost done. Number four, through this whole story, Peter stepped out with the other 11 and it said Peter preached or Peter spoke. It actually said he shouted and he preached a sermon, preached his first Holy Spirit filled sermon. He was not filled with himself. He was filled with the Spirit of God and he preached his first sermon. Peter was finally found himself in a place where he didn't just speak to hear himself talk, but he actually had something to say. He actually had something to say. Friends, I want you to understand your voice matters. You have a story. You have a testimony. I was fortunate enough to attend the Dream Center uh, fundraising banquet last night and was able to hear a few testimonies of some of the current and former residents of the Dream Center that we support And it was just blowing my mind. The Dream Center, 20 years old, just over 20 years, going on 21 years. And I'm listening to some of these testimonies that they are giving credit to the Lord and the Dream Center and the churches that support it and the community that support it. They're able to give that testimony because of what God has done in their life. And they give that testimony and it fills me with encouragement and fills me with hope that there's somebody sitting in there whose life can be changed because someone heard a testimony and a story of someone else whose life was changed. That was Peter. His life was changed. His life was different. He was no longer quick-tempered. He was no longer quick to speak. He was not not that same person. He learned to wait. He was learning to pray. He was learning that he had community. And he was learning, hey, I have a story. And then lastly, because he shared his story, because he did for the first time in his life, he actually discovered what it meant to follow Jesus close and not look back. 3,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. Just 50 days, 40, yeah, 50 days earlier, Peter was broke down crying because he denied the Lord three times and fell asleep when he was asked to pray. 50 days later, 3,000 people get saved because Peter was like, 
I'm going to follow Jesus. And I know what it means to follow Jesus and not look back. 3,000 people. Peter learned to serve. Peter learned to serve. In John 13, Jesus taught his disciples to trade in their achievements for aprons. He taught them. He put an apron, a towel around his lap, around his waist, and he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, as I have done to you, go and do this to other people. Humble yourself. Peter, for the first time, was living a humble life. He was living a life to serve other people. He was trading in all his achievements and his accolades and the pats on the back for an apron to begin to serve other people. In fact, this following Jesus impacted Peter so much that years later when Peter was a martyr, he requested that he be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy enough to die in the same manner as his Lord. Peter's life was changed because he recognized that he could follow Jesus close on the days that he felt worthy or unworthy, close or far, he was going to still follow him. Let me invite you to stand as we close. Anyone who has put their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Scripture gives us the ingredients on what we need to be mixed into our life to create a disciple who will follow Jesus close and not look back. Waiting. Being patient with God because God's patient with us. Learning to pray and keep praying. Even when you think you're fumbling and messing up all over yourself with your words and it don't make sense. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray, but Romans teaches us the Holy Spirit will pray through us. Pray and keep praying. And don't stop praying. Circle yourself with community of faith. Not just anybody, but people who are like-minded and like purpose with you here at church. Learn that you're not alone. That you belong to something greater than just yourself and that you have a story. And through your story, God wants to use you to serve other people. You just never know who you might touch. You just never know who your life and how your life will make a difference in somebody else's. Following Jesus is not based on our performance, but our proximity. It's not based on our strength, but our surrender. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for those online today who are unable to be present in person. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your heart for us, your love for us. Thank you for your word that you've given us, your presence, your spirit that fills us. 
Thank you for the church, the body of Christ that surrounds us. And Lord, today we just look to you. We ask you to help us, oh Lord. On our days where we might feel like, yeah, I'm close. But our hearts deceive us. And other days where we feel like, I'm far and I don't deserve it. Our hearts deceive us. Help us to hear your voice still calling to us. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Help us to do that, Lord, like Peter who discovered what it was like to follow you close and not look back. Let this word work in our hearts today and this week and in this new year that we would be disciples who are determined that we will wait, we will pray, we will surround ourselves with the body of Christ, we will share our story and we will serve others. We will not live isolated and separated, but we will live in a way that will make a difference in other people's lives. Draw us closer to you, I pray. And I pray for those online who are sick, who are physically unwell today. Touch them with the power of your healing hand. Reach into their life today, into their home. The spirit of infirmity be broken and cast out of their home and off their bodies. And we loose the spirit of the healer upon their life. Touch them, restore them, and strengthen them and heal them today. Raise them up well and whole, God, to join us this next week so they can get back to living and get back to what you've called them to. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. As we wrap up today, I want to end with this. They're going to sing a chorus as they sing a part of this song. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to turn to a neighbor or two. If you're, if you're together with your spouse, join with another couple in the church. If you're together as a, just by yourself, link up with another person if you, best as you can. And just a- ask each other, what can I pray for you today? What can I pray for you about today? And I'd like us to end as, this, as the team sings this song over our, 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 our life, the same God, that we end this next minute or two praying for one another. Can we do that? Let's do that.